0: So, like I said, it, it certainly shouldn't surprise you that, you that there would be lessons from the book of Proverbs concerning itself with money. We said earlier that, uh, that one of the things we learn from the book of Proverbs is things about prudent and moral behavior. Uh, it, it is a concern of Proverbs, and also it helps us to be aware that there are, there are certainly good things that we can do with money. In fact, it would be hard, hard to do anything without money, right? But at the same time, it shouldn't surprise us to find out that that same money can also get us into a lot of trouble. If we abuse it the wrong way, if we use it the wrong way, if we receive it the wrong way, it could be one of those things that gives us a lot of trouble. So as you turn to the book of Proverbs and look at chapter 13, we begin with a verse, chapter 13, verse 7. And it says simply, There is one who makes himself rich, yet has nothing. And one who makes himself poor, yet has great riches. So how could that be? How could one who makes himself rich, who has obviously money and wealth, and yet the scripture says he has nothing, and yet you take someone else who makes himself poor, again thinking about money, finances, and, and yet the writer says he himself is rich. Well, obviously we understand that as God's children. It's how the, the sometimes money corrupts people. And a great deal of money will corrupt people, perhaps even a great deal. And yet, we can be rich in our spiritual lives. We can be rich towards God. We can be rich to others. And not have really any money whatsoever. If you'll recall in the New Testament, in the book of Revelations, chapter 2 and verse 9... When John wrote his letter from the Isle of Patmos to the churches, one of the things he said concerning one of the churches, he said, I know your poverty. I know your poverty, but you are rich. Again, here was, here was a church that, that, uh, that was not rich financially, with, with financial things, but here was a church who was rich in its love and its service uh, for God and in, and in righteousness. So wisdom. Let's think about as we think about the book of Revelations. We say it's the book of wisdom. So we should gain a great deal of wisdom, even uh, concerning the study of money. Uh, it's the ability to look down the road and see how various decisions will turn out. Uh, of course, you know. I guess if if, if one of us, any one of you, or one of us could become rich all of a sudden, really rich what would we do with that money? I, I don't know. I guess that, that it would take time to tell, right? We might think at this point in time, well, I would give a great deal of it to the church or I would help this orphanage or I'd help this person. I'd help you. But the truth of the matter is, it seems that money, uh, whenever do, people do have money or come into a money like that, a lot of times it turns out to corrupt that person rather than help that person spiritually. So money is certainly a concern of everyone. Yet, the love of money is a dangerous thing. We're told in the New Testament, right? One of the verses we read in the New Testament, the love of money, what? Is the root of what? It's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's when a person makes money their God. When it makes money the most important thing that they seek after their life, they spend their whole life chasing nothing but money. Money, 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 money. And they never have enough. So, In a time like that, it would be a dangerous thing. So, in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 19, if you would turn to that, Proverbs chapter 1 verse 19, we find uh, from the book of of Proverbs, so are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owner. Having a great deal of money or coming into a great deal of money says, the writer says, it could be a real problem even to live with that kind of money. So let's consider uh, from the book of, of Proverbs this wisdom, uh, which in itself is better than, uh, you know, wisdom, we've been told in the book is better than gold and silver, and how how, uh, how wisdom does have a relationship with money. So here's some things that we want to talk about tonight that are inherently better than having money. So ask yourself this question, what would be better than having money? And the answer is wisdom. The answer is wisdom. The answer is it, it would be better to have a love for God and to serve him and be in right relationship with God than it would be to have a lot of money. The, the, the writer of Proverbs points that out over and over. A gentleman by the name of Citizen Kane wrote, There's no great trick to making a lot of money, so long as you, as all you care about is making money. If you don't care about who you have to hurt, who you have to step on, what you have to do, whether it be moral or immoral, if that doesn't make any difference to you whatsoever, it's no big deal to make money. In fact, we we hear of people quite often who've made millions and lost millions. We've heard about that people like that over and over. So, Citizen Kane says that, that's not a, that's not real tricky as long as that is the, that the only thing that you're striving for. You don't care about your relationship with God, you don't care about your relationship with man. If that's what you care about, then it's no big deal. But from the book of Proverbs, we find out that one thing that's better than having a lot of money is having a good name. Last week or two weeks ago, now we talked about uh, a, a legacy and leaving a legacy and how important that was for your family to leave a good name. So in Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 1, The writer says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. So think about that just for a moment. Our descendants, if we were to leave a lot of money, will will, will have spent your money and it'll be long gone uh, if that's all you've left. But if you've left a good name, if you've left a good name, Uh, they'll remember your influences, your examples, your goodness, your kindness, long after that money has long been spent. So it just shows us that having a good name is much better than having great riches. Also, better, from the book of Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 16. Chapter 15, verse 16. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with troubles. So again, ha- having a relationship with God, loving God, keeping His commandments, being a part of His kingdom is much better than having great treasure because the writer says seems that having great treasure brings about a lot of troubles in people's lives. And we've, we can see that. And we've seen that in people's lives. People who come into a lot of money, who are, who are rich, wealthy, all of a sudden, uh, it just seems it just compounds their problems and makes their struggles in life so much more. And, and then again, when you think about that too, you think about uh, how that some families uh, are destroyed uh, when uh, a loved one, a parent dies and leaves money, and then the kids get to fight over it. And sometimes it doesn't have to be a great deal of money to tear up a family either, right? It could just be a little bit of money or a little bit, and people will get to fighting over that, and it will just really destroy family relationships by that very thing. In Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 8, chapter 16 and verse 8, we read, Better is a little with righteousness than vast revenues without justice. Uh, this is a couple of points made in our lesson sheet here it comes a point in time on almost everyone's job when there is a temptation to sell out our convictions whether it's to lie cheat or steal to get ahead it can happen in almost anybody's life that something will come up in order for a person to advance themselves or to get that raise all they have to do is lie a little bit cheat a little bit or steal to get themselves ahead the, the, The the phrase, an honest lawyer, where's Brother David? He's not here, is he? (laughs) Okay. All right. The term, honest lawyer, is is almost an oxymoron. A a lawyer friend uh, of the person who wrote this outline said, a lawyer friend says that in every case there is a morality and ethically questionable line that, if crossed, increases the odds of winning the case that much more. Did you hear that? In, in every single case, there is there is a line, a, a moral issue or an ethical issue that, if it is crossed, it increases the chances of that person winning. So, a, a, a little, you know, there again, honesty is more important than and, than having money. In Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 6, uh, we read that better is the poor who, in his integrity than one who is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. You think, here's an example of what that might look like. Here's a here's a young man who has an ability to play a guitar. And he's good at it. And all of a sudden, he's a member of the church. He's a Christian, right? But he's offered a job in playing in a denominational, quote unquote, church over the weekend for their worship services, should he take the job? I mean, so he's gonna to have to give up his worship with God in order to go into a denominational house to play the guitar in their band or for them. Honestly, you and I would both look at that and say, Well, that's a silly question. Of course he doesn't take the job. Give up his 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 relationship with God so that he could go and make a little money playing for a guitar. People are faced with dilemmas like that quite often. In Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 4, we read, By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Sometimes uh, sometimes we kind of get those things kind of mixed up, right? Kind of get the cart before the horse. Humility and fear comes first. Exaltation comes in God's time. We read that in James chapter 4 verse 10. You don't have to think very hard and long about things that Jesus taught in his ministry in his own face of the earth concerning money. We all remember the story of the rich man, right, who had great crops, and he said, what am I going to do with all these crops that I have? He says, what I'll just do is tear down my barns, and I will build bigger barns. And he was going to fill those barns up, and he said, then I will say to my soul, eat, drink, and be merry, right? But Jesus says that man was a fool. He says, this night shall your soul be, provide, be uh, required of thee. So money is one of those things that can do nothing to get us in a lot of trouble. If it's used the wrong way, if we have the wrong attitudes toward it. So let's think about this just for a moment. Uh, whenever you think about the Apostle Paul, in his life, he said something that was very interesting in his ministry. He said that he had learned to be content. You recall that? In what? Whatever state he was in, or whatever he was positioned he was in, right? He had learned. So, so as you think about that, you think about Paul and some of the things that he went through, right? So, are we saying? Paul, when you and Silas were in prison and and you were chained to, to a wall or chained are you were in prison and you were singing songs until midnight and, and had that all happened to you, you were content with that? Uh, I think Paul would have said, Well, yeah, he had the chance to do the Lord's will, and he was going to do that. When he was in prison in Rome, when he was shipwrecked different times, when he was beaten several times, Paul said, I have learned to be content whatever state I'm in, it, it would be nice if we as Christians today could learn to say that about ourselves financially, right? That we have learned to be content in, in whatever state we're in. But when when John D. Rockefeller was asked the question, well, just how much is enough? How much is enough? His answer was just $1 more. It didn't make any difference what the sum was. It was going to take $1 more to make him happy. In Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 we're told Proverbs chapter 3 verses 9 and 10 Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. The Lord says how is it that you can be happy with what you've got? Well honor The Lord first. On to the Lord first. This this appears to be a promise, does it not? But it also has the condition with it. He said, if you want your barns to be overfilled and flowing, if you want your vats to be filled with new wine, he said, yet to begin by doing what? Honor the Lord. Without that honor, the other's not going to come. So again, how is plenty to be understood? In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 25, we read, The righteous eats uh, to the satisfying of his soul, but the stomach of the wicked shall be in want. You know, as a Christian, we should learn to be satisfied. We should learn to be content with what we have. Um, and so from time to time, maybe we should ask ourselves, "What? how much exactly is enough? Uh, Ever know someone who was uh, always thinking about their next big deal or their next big purchase or their next big job or their next big this, the next big that? But is always living uh, and looking towards something that was going to happen in the future. You ever known someone like that? Is that Is that the picture of a person who's content? I think not. That's a person who's not learned to be satisfied with what they have, but they're always looking for something bigger and something better in their lives. It's the interesting thing about people like that is once they've achieved that thing or got that, what do they want? Think? Well, they're going to start looking for what the next big thing. Never quite happy or never quite satisfied with where they are or what they have. In Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 16, chapter 25 and verse 16, a question is asked: Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Hmm, interesting thought, right? Have have you found honey? And if you have, you need to learn to be eat enough to be satisfied. But if you eat too much of that honey, it will what? It will make you sick. It will make you sick. Okay, so think about that. Another idea or thought to share concerning having plenty or with contentment Uh, uh, The plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Look at Proverbs chapter 21, verse 5. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely to uh, to poverty. The plans of the diligent, those people who are hard workers and steady looking forward, uh, lead uh, lead surely to plenty. That life, that kind of work, that kind of attitude, that kind of work ethic will lead to plenty. But those of everyone else who in haste does things, makes decisions hastily, uh, sometimes it will lead to naught or it will lead to poverty. In chapter 28, verse 19 of Proverbs, he who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will have poverty enough. So again, The point of that particular verse seems to me this, is that you know if a person has land, you have to work it. You have to work it. You have to diligently get out there and lay those rows, plant those crops, fertilize it, weed it, take care of it, so that whenever it comes time to harvest it, you will indeed have plenty. But that will only be because of your hard work. You can't sit back and say, well, I've got a field, so I guess I'm going to be fine. Well, you're not going to be fine if you don't work the field, right? You have to work the field. He who, who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows frivolity will leave. Will have poverty enough. Uh, think about this for a moment. If we in our lives could reach the point of Paul and be able to say in our lives, I'm satisfied with the life that I have, and I'm content where I am today, it, it would probably cause a whole lot less stress in our life it would probably cause a whole lot, uh, uh, help us to have a better relationship within our families and probably have a better relationship with God for sure. If we could just reach that point in in time and say that I'm happy with who I am and what peace of mind that would probably be able to give us at that particular time. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7, it says, A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb. But to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. So, again, just the wisdom that we learn from Proverbs, the things that it points out, talking to us and telling us that we need to learn to be satisfied with what we have. We need to work with our hands, tilling the soil, doing our job, being content with the jobs that we have, and, and, and being good employees. And earning the money that we make so that we can enjoy life as best we can. It, it shouldn't surprise you a great deal to find out that the book of Proverbs also talks about some very foolish things that people can do with money. Some very foolish things. Uh, and so we think about that in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15, for instance. Uh, well, first off, if you will, turn to chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. The writer is writing about uh, being a surety for a friend. He says, My son, if you become surety for your friend, if you have uh, shaken hands and pledged for a stranger, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself, plead with your friend, give no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hands of the hunter, and like a bird from the hands of the fowler. Go. So then he points out in chapter 6, verse 6 of chapter 6, something that we should strive to be for. He cautions us, he cautions us about standing in as surety for a friend. Uh, The book seems to point out there is no wisdom nor virtue in taking the risk and burdens of the foolish financial decisions of other people upon yourself. Think about that. If it's, a, if it's a risk or if it's a financial burden that actually belongs to other people, to take it upon yourself, the book of Proverbs points out that that's probably foolishness. Trying, tying future comfort and security to money. Uh, You stop and think about that just for a moment. That's probably another uh, recipe for disaster right there, saying that if this happens, if this happens or when this happens, when I make this money, when I do this, when I do that, then I will be sure that my relationship with God is right. I will be sure that my relationship with the church is right. Once I've made that next, what, thousand, hundred thousand, million dollars, whatever it might be, in Proverbs chapter eleven verse twenty-eight, we read, "He who trusts in his riches will fail, will fall, but the righteous will flourish like fat foliage." So, uh, putting our faith and our confidence in money is, is probably a very bad thing, very, very bad idea. If that's that's all we're basing it on, if we're not. If our foundation is not something better than money, more solid than money. Then we know about the ups and downs of money, right? Especially if you put in your money in in money markets or in stocks or in bonds and trusting other people to invest in it for you, we've seen some pretty bad disasters even in our country, where where those those kind of things fail, those kind of fail. So we, as God's children, need to put our faith and trust in something much more substantial than a bank, or in an IRA, or in something else. Uh, while I was thinking about that, I thought of uh, what, what Jesus said on the Sermon of the Mount when He's talking about. He says, "Where do you put your treasures?" He said, "Don't put them on earth, where moths and rust break, and thieves break through and steal, right? But to put our treasures where? In heaven, where they're going to account for something, where they're going to mean something. We we can bank on that. We can bank on that as being solid. Is God doing exactly what He said?" One of the foolish mistakes that some people make concerning money and finances is is, is this idea of uh, overworking or working overtime, or uh, because they feel like it's something they have to. Says, "Do not over." uh, In verse uh, in Proverbs chapter twenty-three, verse four and five. Turn over there if you would with me. Chapter twenty-three, verses four and five. Do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease will you set your eyes on that which is not for riches certainly make themselves wings they fly away like eagles uh, like an eagle toward heaven so for us to think well I'm going to work all this overtime I'm going to have all this money I'm going to have all this extra money the wise man said it's not a good idea Because what? You're placing your future on something that may not ever happen. You're placing your future on something. So he says don't overwork, Uh, don't work yourself to death trying to accumulate things or money uh, because sometimes those things just fly away from us without us even paying attention. Uh, We we read Proverbs chapter 6 verses 1 through 6 a while ago, but I want to go back to that just again because the writer points out that while it points out what we should not do, it's also going to be really good about pointing about what we should do. So in verse 6 of chapter 6, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways, and be wise. Go to the ant and consider the ways of an ant for us to think about how we should live our lives. And and you stop and think about that. Well, what does an ant do? Well, you you know, you don't see an ant... Uh, you know, sit back and take it easy in the summertime, thinking, okay, everything's fine, I'm happy with what I've got, I'll be just fine, and I'll just have to take it easy, right? No, you see that ant working just as hard in the heat of the summer. It's so that whenever the the hard times come, when the winter times come, they can't work, they will have that food laid up. They will have what they need to get through the winter for themselves. There. So we, we should take we should take the note of the ant. But at the same time, so there's the caution on the one hand about overworking ourselves or working ourselves to death, trying to accumulate things. But then there's the caution on the other hand that says, you're not going to get things if you don't work. So you got to find that balance in our lives, right? We as Christians are striving to find that balance in our lives. What is So I guess we can come back to that question, how much? How much is enough? What should we, we could be content with? Rather than build our life, our foundation, our hopes, and our future upon money, we should think about building our hopes and our faith and our trust on something much more substantial than money. Uh, the, the, The difference between seeing saved money as a tool versus seeing it as a foundation. Think about this. A carpenter, a carpenter who for some reason or another loses a tool, is that a disaster? Not if he's a good carpenter, because all he'll do is he'll just make do with something else to accomplish the task that's set before him. But what happens to the person who has made money as their foundation, and it collapses if it's taken away? They're out of luck, right? They're out of luck, because while the carpenter can make do and make something else work, if money has become our little g, God, and we have put it first in our lives, it's our foundation for everything, we have to keep in mind it can be taken away in just a little bit of time or whatever. The, remove a foundation, the whole building falls or collapses. If money is our foundation, then well, if it's gone, everything is going to fall apart. Uh, so the wise man says that if we make money, our life's foundation, we're, we're not wise. We're not wise at all. The, the wise man also points out concerning the foolishness of financial decisions is taking an unnecessary debt, which is probably going to be a difficult lesson maybe for all of us to think about from time to time, right? But let's take a look at a couple of verses from Proverbs. Chapter 22 and verse 7. Chapter 22, verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a servant to the lender. Pretty interesting thought, Right? So I think the point is, is you know, to take on unnecessary debt, buying things that we really don't need, okay, is 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 not wise. So we should probably, certainly, not miss the point of this particular verse. We become slaves to our creditors, okay, and by extension to the things we choose to purchase unnecessarily. Now I don't think this is talking about things that are necessary for life. If we have to, you know, to to borrow to buy those, but it's talking about doing thing, making purchases that are unnecessary for our lives. So taking on unnecessary debt. And, and another thing that talks about it, we kind of mentioned this earlier in the class, we said talked about the person who at some point in his life in his particular job, it, and it, it occurs or happens to most everyone, that they find that if they just either cheat, lie or steal, they can find themselves getting ahead But the wise person, the wise writer of Proverbs says cheating is never a good way to get ahead. In chapter 20 and verse 17, he says that bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be filled with gravel. Hmm. What is he talking about there, you think? He's not talking about the fact that his mouth is going to literally be filled with gravel, is he? But what could happen to this person? Again, the rich, uh, I'm sorry, uh, the bread gained by deceit. In other words, dishonestly, right? Money gained dishonestly, Bread gained It's—it's tastes sweet at first, right? But later it's going to come back to haunt you, right? It's going to come back to haunt you as how you receive that, how you achieve that, and those thoughts are going are to create some real problems for you in your life. So it's going to come back and your mouth's going to be like it's filled with gravel. In chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Dennis, uh, and this is kind of pointed out throughout the book, dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. A just weight is his delight. The writer also points out, and we read verses that talk about habitually spending frivolously on pleasure is never a good idea. On chapter 21, verse 17, we read, He who who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. So, spending money frivolously, I have a hard time with that word, on on pleasure is not a good idea. And it will will cause us, of course, in the long run, it will cause us nothing but a heartache and, and difficult times. So, when you think about what's more important, generosity? Or you know, where where do we receive the best returns on our money, on our investments? Well, it's it's when we bank with God, right? It's when we bank with God. It's when we do put our, our good works and and all of our cares and concerns in serving God and trying to do his will and keep his commandments. Those are the things that are going to count not only in this life. But they will count in the life hereafter. In Proverbs chapter three, verses nine and ten, we read, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. So how how can we best serve God and and manage our money and do those things that God wants us to do? It's to First off, not, not depend on that money for anything, but as a way to live and a way to honor God and honor other people and to uh, to, to be sure that it doesn't become our God. In uh, Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 27, we, we find this statement. There is one who scatters, yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. The person will curse, uh, the, the the people will curse him who withholds grain. But blessings will be on the head of him who sells it. So, with those things that we have been blessed with, we are encouraged as God's children to be generous, to help those who are in need of help. So he says, you know, it's kind of like I've heard this expression. Someone say in a meeting recently said, you know, we just, you know, you just can't outgive God. I think that's a kind of a neat statement, right? Think about that. Uh, as and you know, I think our family here at Grable Road is a good example of 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 those who are generous with their financial things. And our budget this next year is going to point that out that we're able to do more things this year than we were last year because of the generosity of the saints here, but it's people who have finances who are willing to give to God and to share with the church those things that we have need of. So there's there's no way that we cannot give God. God. Whatever we give, God is going to bless us that much more in our lives, not only in the hereafter, not only in the hereafter, but that's going to be nice enough, right? But I think the promise is that we'll be blessed in this life also. When this life offers, of. we learn to be generous, learn to love the people, and we give as we should. The final verse I have to look at here, and I see the people are starting to gather a little bit out in the hall, comes from chapter 19, verse 17. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. He who has pity on the poor lends to the Lord, and he will pay back what he has given. And, and so I. I, I Just please understand, it's not the poor man who's going to pay back, right? But it's God who's going to pay back. God's going to pay back all that we give to the poor. And then there's a lot. Okay, so that's the lesson for tonight. Uh, And I think maybe the takeaway should be what? Let's take a look at our lives sometime and realize that we are blessed. Above all nations of the world, above all countries of the world, our country is indeed the most blessed. And therefore, as we think about that, what is our obligation to the Lord? Well, we in turn need to bless God with doing those things with what he has given us.